During this investigation, we shall proceed no further in this business. I thought you were up for this. We agreed. Quiet now. I reckon I do all that you'd expect of an hombre. Ain't nobody doing more than that. Oh, Mr. Big Boot's second in command can't have an argument with his wife. You stopped being a man as soon as we left Earth. Heffy should fail. Screw your coach to the sticking place, Joe. Don't get it? It's from Macbeth, honestly, Joe. Hello, and welcome to The Scottish Film, a podcast that is not about Scottish films. I'm Paul Salt. And I'm Katie Maiden. In this last episode for the foreseeable future, we are going to suggest (laughs) our own adaptations of Macbeth. Yes, oh my god, this was... It was fun, but it was actually really difficult as well. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly... I thought when me and Goodman have been doing pitches on the Patreon, pitches on the Patreon, uh, (laughs) for a while now, and we really, I really thought it would be more fun, less work. (laughs) (laughs) But um, I was wrong. (laughs) And we've done three of them each. We have selected three genres of film. Yeah, and we're going to present to you our particular versions of Macbeth in those genres so yeah and then maybe at the end I'll choose my favorite one of yours and you can choose Yay. your favorite one of mine yeah, yeah. that'd be really cool okay, okay let's get right into it and we're gonna start with M is for Macbeth <gasps> oh I didn't do titles oh no I'll, ma- I'll make them up I'll <laughs> okay, make them cool. up it's cool this is a Shakespearean whodunit Scotland, 1932. (gasps) (laughs) Police inspector Mac Duffy is called to the house of local aristocrat John Macbeth. He has been sent for by an unknown correspondent. (gasps) He arrives in the early hours to find that Macbeth and his wife Mary are having a house party with guests staying over. Uh Uh Uh-oh. There's another member of the aristocracy, Robert Duncan, along with his sons, Malcolm and Donald Duncan. Donald Duncan. Which is his name, if you think about it. Uh, There's also Albert Banquo, also known as Bertie Banquo. Macbeth's best friend and fellow landowner. Uh, His teenage son, Francis. Wealthy businessman and local MP, Julian Ross. Eccentric millionaire heiress, Louisa Lennox. (gasps) And, of course, Macbeth's faithful servant, St. John Porter. (laughs) Uh, the guests assemble for breakfast, and Mac asks if any of them know who sent for him. Uh, they do not, although Francis Banquo has heard of the detective for a newspaper article on a famous case he was involved in, where a man murdered his brother to seduce his sister-in-law. Oh. <laughs> uh, Duncan is conspicuously absent from the breakfast, so Macduff goes to visit him in his bedroom, and he finds him face down. As he turns him over, he discovers that he's been gruesomely murdered with multiple <gasps> stab wounds to the chest oh, and stomach. I- and that's when the audience realised they're watching Macbeth. That and only then is when, in spite of the fact there's a dude walking around called jo- John Macbeth, this is where it all clicks into place. Like, oh, Shit. that Macbeth. <laughs> uh, the party, I really hope they don't figure it out, otherwise it spoils the ending. Uh, the, fa- the party, or does it? The party assembles and everyone is shocked and Mary Macbeth faints, as women are wont to do. Uh, tell you what, Bertie in Banquo, our house, I, in, in our, our house, house, our house, I, it's unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, after some excellent shouting from everyone involved, um, an initial investigation begins, and it becomes basically he's going to interview all the people, and it becomes pretty obvious that yep. 
John Macbeth has the most to gain. He stands to inherit a great deal of Robert Duncan's estate, and there are rumours that Duncan has been inappropriate with Mary Macbeth. So it might have been an honour thing. I love those rumours. Oh my god, they're the best rumours. But (laughs) the eldest son, Malcolm, has fled the scene almost immediately. (gasps) Oh, weird. That is Mm, weird, right? That's weird. What's he up to? The youngest son is still around, Donald, but he doesn't make for a very convincing suspect, as he's very clearly broken apart by the murder. Lennox was apparently involved in a land acquisition deal with Duncan that would have disadvantaged Bertie Banquo, so he's got a motive too. Meanwhile, St. John Porter is revealed to be an ex-army man and had a grudge against Duncan. He was avoiding conscription and was exposed by Duncan and sent to the First World War. All of these people have so much to gain or lose. I know, right? Who could possibly have done it? (laughs) It's like a whodunit. (laughs) There is news that Malcolm has been caught, and once in custody, he claims that he ran as he felt he was in danger in that house. Mac oh. asks him if he knows who committed the murder. And that he says, sense. He says he thinks he does. But and <gasps> if he's right, then nobody's safe. And he refuses to say more. <gasps> but suddenly, in the police station, there's a flutter going on. There's been another murder. And in a field in the country... In the can- uh, yeah, in a field. Uh, Banquo's body is found. And his son is nowhere to be seen. He returns to uh, Macbeth Castle. Uh, Mac- he returns to Macbeth Castle. Or Manor, I guess where the guests have been requested to stay until the case is closed. Lennox fears that any one of them could be targeted next. Duffy sees Ross and St. John John Porter talking secretively. What are they up to? (gasps) So secret. The MP and the ex-army man. What is going on? Uh, Duffy remembers something about Francis. He had heard of his case in Elsinore. On a hunch, he returns to Banquo's room and looks behind the curtain. And sure enough, there's Francis. Um... (laughs) Of course. Of course. That's why he got the idea to hide behind curtains. <laughs> um, although it doesn't work out for the, gu- the other guys, so. Um, it never work out. It never works out. Don't do it. And Francis simply says, it was Macbeth. <gasps> Based on the positive <gasps> identification, Macbeth is arrested. But Macduff isn't convinced. He goes in to question Lady Macbeth, only to find that she has killed herself. Uh-oh. She, she leaves a simple note saying, I'm sorry, John. How and- did she kill herself? I'm thinking maybe slit throat. Okay. A bit grim by thinking that. Uh, Macbeth also finds some paper burned in the fireplace. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Macbeth confesses to both murders, saying that he murdered Banquo because he had found out about the murder and ex- threatened to expose him. But Mac isn't convinced because of one detail. Malcolm. He was terrified of talking to the police. Why would he be so afraid of just old John Macbeth? So... Duffy goes to the local council building and brings up some conscription papers. He makes a shocking discovery. <gasps> what could it be? What could it be? We're not going to find out yet. Because Mac has <laughs> Duffy has Macbeth brought to the house under police escort to explain how he killed Duncan. Louisa Lennox, Donald Duncan, yeah, Donald Duncan and Julian Ross are all being held at the house. And St. John Porter is still around and shows them to the room where the murder happened. Macbeth tries to recreate the events of that night. But Duncan reveals that it's impossible for the murder to have occurred the way he described. Because (gasps) the wounds were inflicted on his front, but he was found face down. Meaning whoever killed him was beneath him at the time. (gasps) Mm, Weird. He puts it together. Duncan had been conducting a tawdry and unwelcome affair with Mary Macbeth. Aha! And she had finally taken matters into her own hands, whilst John did not dare to do so. But why tonight? Why do it whilst there were so many other guests? Because promises had been made. 
promises from someone who could seduce a wife to act against her husband, assure her of self safe passage out of the country, and intimidate a witness like Malcolm into silence. He turns to St. John Porter, the young what? man who was drafted off to war. But he didn't go off to war alone. That's what he found in the library. He had a brother. A brother who <gasps> did not come back with him, who died out there. And both of those boys were the illegitimate sons of Ross. Ross? Yeah. <laughs> it was Ross. He manipulated the abused Mary Macbeth into killing Duncan and framing her husband, who stood oh by and God. did nothing for all this, these Ross. years. <laughs> Ross panics and grabs a gun from a nearby officer, but Macbeth breaks free of his escort and charges. Two shots are fired, and both men lay dead. It appears that the case oh is God. closed, except for one thing. Who called for Macduffie in the first place? <gasps> yeah, who did call him? Who called him? Why, it was St. John Porter. He knew of his father's scheme to get uh, to get Duncan out of the way, and even though he loved his dead brother dearly, he had hoped the detective might have been able to save his father's soul. Oh my god, that was so good! Well, one last thing, Duffy is called away to deal with another case of jealousy and murder, this time in Venice. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the end of Murder on the Orient Express. He's off to his next case. Oh my god, so good! <laughs> hey. Basically, like, completely different. <laughs> yeah. Not I... completely different, but, like, it's still kind of... I could have made no, just... no witches, though. Sorry? No witches. Oh, no witches. I wrote the witches in in one bit and then just realised they lift out really super easy in this yeah. particular one. I mean, one. the witches kind of lift out of all of mine, but I have included them in all of them because I feel like they're so important. Mm, I have them in one of mine. And in, my, in the one, it fit really well, so... Yeah, that was the cool. Macbeth Who Done It. Let's Who Done It. Who Done It. Ross Done It. Let's uh, move on and have Katie. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm starting with my kind of young adult one, which Ooh. is like a high school Macbeth. Love it. So maybe I, I don't have a title, so maybe at the end you could suggest me a title. Okay. opens with these three like goth style high school girls in the mm. chemistry lab think like the craft you know like them <laughs> um here we have like the bubble bubble intro right but obviously in modern language mm. um and then after that we cut to a high school football game and when i say high school football i mean american football mm. so this is american high school which ends in this huge victory uh, Macbeth is the second in command of his high school football team and he's going out <laughs> with the head cheerleader. Nice. So, Duncan, the captain of the football team, is revered in school. He's almost seen as like a demigod. Duncan's little brothers, Malcolm and Donalbane, are also in the team. Nice. They're like maybe in like the second string team. Okay. But they're good too, but they're not as good as him. Okay. Um, Macbeth starts to get really jealous seeing he thinks he's actually the better player and he won the last game for them. <sighs> So, oh on God. his way back from the match, he bumps into these goths girls, and they give the first premonition. He's with his best mate, Banquo, at the time. Of course. And the goths tell him that one day, Banquo's little brother will be captain after Macbeth's been captain mm. of the football team. <laughs> so then, um, Macbeth tells Lady, that's her name, uh, the it. cheerleader, <laughs> about the encounter, and they laugh about killing Duncan. They're like, why don't we just kill him? But that's a joke. Yeah. So then, uh, Macbeth has like a kind of get like a beach house. You know mm. how like the rich kids have beach houses. Of and course. after the game, um, 
everyone goes to a party at Macbeth's parents' beach house. Mm. And Lady convinces him to get Duncan really drunk and stage a car accident. So um, Macbeth does this, but uh, the car actually crashes into a lake oh no. with Duncan inside. Macbeth gets out and Duncan does not. <gasps> so it's kind of an accident, but also kind uh, of their fault. Reckless endangerment. Mm, here we could have like the porter scene as well because it, everyone's really <laughs> drunk. So we could have like a drunk friend scene, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Um, so <laughs> Macduff, another member of the team who's also going out with one of the cheerleaders is at the party and he sees Duncan's car and calls the police. People at school start to tease Malcolm and Donald Bain, who decide that they should move to different schools to avoid all the bullying. Mm. So, <clears throat> back at school, Macbeth becomes the captain, and everyone is suspicious about why he isn't more upset, especially, like, his best mate, Banquo, is kind of, mm. why aren't you more upset? Yeah. Macbeth decides it's time to get rid of Banquo, but can't bring himself to do it, so enlists a group of admirers to do it. Mm. He tells them to get rid of Banquo... And his little brother, who also is in the football team. This is mm. Freelance. <laughs> they do this by staging an accident on a, while they're out on a morning run. Um, but don't manage to get the little brother Freelance because he is too fast. <gasps> so quick. <laughs> but Beth goes to see the goths in the chemistry lab and they <laughs> give him the second premonition. Beth decides to give a warning to Macduff by hurting his cheated girlfriend. Ah. So... Uh, um, this hurting girlfriend turns mm. into another murder. <laughs> and um, Macduff actually decides to visit Malcolm um, at his new school, mm. where he gets like a call about the girlfriend's demise. Mm. Maybe they have like dogs or something too together as well. <laughs> like, I was like, they kind of have kids, but maybe they have dogs or something. Or like yeah. a hamster, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> hamster, no. <laughs> not the hamster. No. Um, so basically... <laughs> Macduff says, let's have a game, like a football game, between Malcolm's mm. school and theirs, and they can take Macbeth out. Nice. So, during this time, Lady is getting really annoyed at Macbeth, mm. um, and she's starting to become an outcast with her friends, and she becomes depressed, oh, no. and she commits suicide. Oh, no. I was thinking bathtub, slit wrists, kind of like... <laughs> yeah, that thing. makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, Macbeth learns of this, and he just gets really mad and mm. loses it. He decides to take Malcolm's school out on full force on the football pitch. Just nice. as they start get into their positions at the start of the get- game, Macduff reveals himself under the helmet of one of the other teams, uh, like from the other side, and what? shouts, Now! <laughs> the whole school rushes out behind, from behind trees at the other end of the pitch <laughs> and, and attacks Macbeth and his team. A big fight ensues. Yeah. Macduff, uh, Macbeth tells Macduff that no one can kill him because of like you know the c-section thing yeah and Macduff's like yo i was born by c-section bitch do your research huh. <laughs> and then uh, so Macduff kind of beats him down but he's not dead and then he says something like i killed your girlfriend and Macduff like hits him one more time and he's down no <laughs> um so he takes off Macbeth's jacket and gives it to malcolm and just walks away Ah. So the goths are watching from the top of the bleachers, surveying Malcolm, <laughs> putting on the jacket, just as Fleance walks in from the trees. Ah. Does and he walk across the, the pitch and then put his hand up and is like, don't you <laughs> something forget like it. Something like that. That was amazing. That was really good. I like the idea that a lot of the deaths were accidental and these guys are just kind of fuck-ups. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, oh shit, I didn't mean to like, crash into the lake. But... <laughs> Whoopsie. It could be called like captain Macbeth. Or... how about something wicked something wicked yeah yeah I like 
cool. Good stuff. All right. My next one is is a Western. Ooh. <laughs> it's a I wonder we- if I'll like it. You Let's know see if you like it. You do not like Westerns, so maybe this will no, be the thing that finally turns is. you around. <laughs> <laughs> we have got the Scottish Ranger. A caravan is travelling through the Old West. On the horizon, some men approach. They're from the nearest town, Cordor, and have been sent to escort the caravan through hostile uh, Native American territory. The town sheriff is joined by the deputy sheriff, Billy Banquer, and some conscripted men, including the innkeeper of the only hotel in town, Shotgun Jesse Macbeth, named, <laughs> named for his management style. <laughs> Um, tr- sure enough, they are attacked by Native Americans, and they fight off the attack, and Jesse is able to take down the chief, but they get separated from the caravan. On the way back to town, they meet three Native American soothsayers. Ooh, yeah. the witches! There's some witches! And they tell Billy that he will soon be the sheriff of Cordor, and that one day, Macbeth will be the mayor of the whole town. The but whole town? The whole town. But All it of it? All of it. This whole little western town of Cordor. Wow. But it won't be easy for Jesse. If he wants it, he's going to have to step right up and take it. And <gasps> they disappear, seemingly turning into birds. Nah, nah. Ah, uh-huh. come oh. back! <laughs> Finally arriving back in town, the rest of the caravan has made it, and some of the Native Americans are being... Um... Ooh, why did I put that? That's really super grim. Do you know what? I wanted to show how badly the Native Americans are treated, so they're being hung um, as an example to the, the town. Mm-hmm. The town mayor, Henry Hank Duncan, welcomes them back. And he reveals that the sheriff was killed in the attack and that the position is Billy's if he wants it, thereby confirming the first part of the prophecy and making Banquo the town sheriff. Ah, interesting. Jesse returns back to the inn um, with his wife, a hard woman by the name of Agnes. And they run, <laughs> they run a kind of run-down, dirty inn called the Glam's Arms. The Glam's Arms. Um, glam's arms. The glam's arms, and he tells her about the the Native American prophecy and about Billy, and she suggests that they kill Henry Hank. He's due to come over to the big poker game that they're having that night, and he takes a nap. Macbeth takes a nap, but he is awoken by the dreams of all the Native Americans he killed that day. Oh shit! Yeah. That's not good. Not good. That night they have a party, and Jesse chickens out but is talked back into it by Agnes, and then follows Henry Hank home with a tomahawk he's retrieved from one of the executed Native Americans in the battle, oh and he kills him and scalps him so that it looks like a Native <gasps> American attack. Oh my god, that's so clever. I know, right? And in the, mor- <laughs> in the morning, after the body is discovered by the town, Jesse leads the townsfolk in a violent raid on the Native American camps around the territory in retribution. After that, it's not easy, it's not hard for him to win the election, but it is implied that he does a little bit of handshaking and a little bit of roughhousing in order to get the votes he needs. Uh, sure enough, he's soon mayor of all of Cordor. All of it. All of it. But the sheriff doesn't like it. Sheriff Banquo very quietly tries to put a posse together to arrest Jesse, but their meeting is found out and they're all set upon, and Billy Banquo is killed by Macbeth himself. <gasps> it's a good way around it. It's then revealed that the mayor's office, which was formerly like this really grandiose building in this little western town, now resembles a brothel with Agnes as the grand dame of the whole affair. Uh, Jesse, meanwhile, is looking a little green. He tries to give a speech to the assembled guests, but he sees the ghosts of not only Billy, but also all of the people he's killed so far in this story. All over the years. <laughs> all of them. All of them. It's a lot. It's a lot this time. Um, Agnes chastises him for going soft. 
Becoming unhinged, Jesse ventures back out into the wilderness and finds the soothsayers again. They tell him that he'll be safe from all the sons of his land, and that his rule shall last as long until the stars come to the town of Cordor. Jesse declares a new sheriff, but a ranger has been sent by the city to look into the unrest in this town. His name is Dan Dynamite McDuff. Dan Dynamite McDuff. Dan Dynamite McDuff. And <laughs> sure he is, is. He is part. Dan Dynamite is an actual name of a gangster who lived back then. Um, but he's the sheriff sent by the city, and he is part Native American. And he doesn't like the way things have been going in this town. And he sets up residence in the sheriff's office along with Seton. I don't remember if I pay off Seton. I think I forget about him. Um, I was just, most people do. Most people forget about Seton. Uh, Agnes convinces Jesse to try an all-out assault on the sheriff's office in order to clear him. In order to get rid of Dan Dynamite. But doesn't manage to get him. He escapes into the wilderness. And out oh there, goodness. he is able... I mentioned he's part Native American. He's able to rally the Native American tribes orphaned by the town's wars and lead an attack in force on the town. He deputizes each of them, symbolically, give, symbolically giving them a sheriff's badge, which of course is shaped like a star. And they oh, all come on course. the town. The, ti- the tribes attack on horseback, carrying torches. Uh, the battle in the town culminates in a fire breaking out in the mayor's residence. Jesse tries to abandon his wife, Lady Macbeth, but she picks up his gun and shoots Gosh. him down. <gasps> I love that. That's yeah. the best. Uh, she then <laughs> dies in the resulting fire in the um, the, the sort of uh, town hall. hall. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dynamite Dan promises to lead the remaining town folks to somewhere far away, and the Native Americans reclaim this land as the mayor's office continues to burn in the distance. Oh my god. And that's it. Um, one brief thing. I ran this past uh, Ellen Graham over at Baby Beard Media, and she had a suggestion that I could keep the t- the, the um, forest coming to the town, and that it, it would be men hiding behind tumbleweed, which is kind of cute. <laughs> <laughs> I quite like. That one of the badges. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so that was it. That was um, the first Western you've heard all the way through. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah, I mean, I like the Native American element there. Yeah, I wanted this fun. like kind of in colonial kind of theme to it, but it's about yeah. Europeans. I mean, I like Ballad of Buster Scruggs, so... Oh, yeah. That, oh, that's true. That's yeah. the best. That's the best. <laughs> okay. okay. So I'm going to call this Scotland <laughs> in Space. Love it. <laughs> Many years in the future, Earth's resources are finally depleted and only a handful of humans remain behind. Mm. Each country has sent a spacecraft into the unknown search for a new planet. Mm. But this doesn't mean there aren't tension between the countries and within them. So three like raggedy looking humans are walking around a burnt out Earth. They look a bit like the traditional Macbeth witches, but with a twist. Maybe it's kind of steampunk, like wearing breathing apparatus. I like that. Or something. Um, And this is where we get the kind of normal witch premonition scene. Cousin Macbeth, who is leading kind of Star Wars style fight in space. You know, there's one person or two person like things. (laughs) He takes down the last enemy ship and is called back to the main deck. Banco is with him. Everyone's praising them. Uh, on the way, he receives a message from Earth. He thinks his ship is malfunctioning because they don't often get messages from Earth, but he watches the witch's premonition. Mm. So they've kind of done this on purpose somehow. I don't know. It was sci-fi. Who cares? Yeah. Right. So um, 
<laughs> Commander Duncan congratulates him and rewards him with a big new part of the ship for him and his wife. And they're going to have a party there tonight. So it's like a really swanky, I'm thinking, like really swanky apartments and like, yeah. you know, a big ship. Huge mm. ship. Okay, so Lena Macbeth is a mechanic on the ship. She is told of the premonition by Macbeth and she ventures it convinces him they should kill Commander Duncan and make it look like a ship malfunction. <laughs> Macbeth isn't convinced, but she tells him she knows exactly how to do it. Mm. The party ensues, and as it does, Macbeth calls Duncan away to look at a malfunction, where he kills oh. him and Lady Macbeth makes it look like an accident. Ah. They go back to the party, and then Captain Macduff finds the body. Mm. Duncan's sons take two of the individual ships and fly off to England on island ships. Mm. As they fear for their lives. This puts suspicion on them. Right. Macbeth com- becomes commander and his mate, Banquo, talks to him about the prophecy, which makes Banquo- mm. uh, makes Macbeth nervous. Mm. Banquo's son is also on the ship, and their job is to investigate any new worlds that are found. So one day, Banquo and her son and their team go out to a new world that they find. They're <laughs> investigating. This is like a really good piece of like helical sci-fi think interstellar with the waves. Like, you know, some Love sort it. of like cool new world thing yeah um but Macbeth has asked the rest of the team to turn on Banquo mm-hmm. they kill him but Fleance runs off and is lost in the new world <sighs> um Macbeth goes like Martian style he's like there on his own oh no um Macbeth goes to the control room and contacts Earth trying to find the witches he mm. sees them and sends a message asking him what next and then they send him the second prophecy mm. so Macbeth feels a bit secure I think a- also, the forest thing, I think I ignore that in this one. Because, okay. like, how are they going to bring the stars or something to him? How are they going to do it? it doesn't make how are they going to do it? So, just, like, the whole C-section thing. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Macbeth feels more secure, but Lady Macbeth is getting lost in her work, and she keeps repeating the same thing in the repair room, fixing the thing that allegedly killed Duncan. Oh, that's really good. Uh, that's sleep on the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, Macbeth goes to speak with Macduff but it turns out he's not there oh. Macduff, fearing Macbeth has lost it takes a shuttle to visit Malcolm in England who agrees to come back while he's mm. there he gets a message that his wife has been taken her own life by jumping out into space Macduff <sighs> knows she wouldn't do this and suspects foul play mm. back in on the Scotland ship uh, Lady Macbeth has gone mad and takes her own life by throwing herself out into space the mm. irony Oh no. Um, <laughs> hang on um, <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. Macduff comes back with Malcolm and Macbeth laughs at them mm. but then the rest of the crew turn on him and he joins Lady Macbeth out in space being forced out there uh, like walk the plank style yeah. like if you don't go we're going to make you go <laughs> um, everyone is happy in Scotland come back to Fleance on the lonely world he has built himself a shelter and he's training up like push-ups uh, etc and he looks out into space another foreboding fleance situation you know i love a foreboding fleance situation <laughs> you gotta it's my love favorite ending you gotta love a foreboding fleance situation um that was awesome i really love some of the aesthetics there the sort of space battles and ground down earth that was really cool mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of cool. mad max style yeah i like that i like the combination of like a star warsy lived in kind of sci-fi universe here comes my experimental sort of weird art house 80s style Macbeth. Okay, let's see how this goes. (laughs) We start with darkness and strange red colours and shapes that gradually congeal to form the shape of a dagger and a cut cut to title Sound and Fury. 
A woman in a small Scottish semi-detached suburban home picks up the post off the doormat. She flips through a bunch of bills, but then finds one an, one letter that's handwritten. She opens it up, but seems terrified by its contents. She drops it to the floor, and suddenly the corridor back to the flat seems to morph into that of a dungeon. Ooh. Yeah. Cut, and she's outside laying down on the lawn. Uh, she seems at peace, but beneath the lawn there are worms and insects attacking and eating each other, and she seems to sense it. Later on, she's cooking. Uh, she's cooking dinner, and her husband arrives home. He seems nervous, but also kind of scared. They don't say anything, but she takes his hand. He cowers a little, so she slaps him. Gets, gets up in his face and gets a reaction out of him. He seems emboldened. Later, we're at a dinner party. Very middle class, everyone's smiling, including the husband. The woman is smiling, but very clearly distracted and troubled. She makes eye contact with her smiling, jeering husband, who winces slightly. <laughs> Later, it's night time, and she's making love to her husband. Uh, she gets distracted from this because there's something hovering above the bed. Some kind of weird, deformed version of herself. And it's oh, eating God. a hunk of flesh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing, the husband is naked in front of a hallway that extends down into darkness. Uh, he looks at his wife, who urges him to go into the darkness. He goes. Time passes. The wife gets nervous, and so she enters the corridor. And as she's heading down this long, dark corridor, there's a moment where it seems to transform into that same dungeon we saw earlier. But then, her husband appears, covered in blood, looking terrified. She stops him and cal calms him down, and then takes the daggers from his hand and walks further into the darkness. She comes across a bed. He, she hears strained breathing and sees that in the bed is that same deformed version of herself that she saw earlier. She drops the daggers and runs. Cut to her being interviewed in the living room, seemingly traumatised. Uh, then it's dinner again, alone with her husband, and they're both just staring. She reaches out to touch him, but he's angry and pulls away. He leaves the room. She tries to follow, but finds herself in this immense snowy wilderness, a mountain range. She treks through the snow, and cold, and hears the sound of a wolf howling up ahead. She tries to follow the sound. As she travels, she finds the bloodied remains of people in the snow, all torn apart by the wolf she's pursuing. Eventually she catches up to it, and it seems alone and scared. It looks at her and reaches out with a human hand towards her, but she's only she sees only the deformed version of herself reaching out pitifully. She turns and runs. We're back in the house, and she burns the letter we saw her open at the beginning. She goes upstairs and enters into the long, dark corridor again. She comes face to face with her undeformed self. She tries to touch it, but it snarls at her. She closes her eyes and cuts her own throat. A scar oh. appears on the deformed self's neck as well, and they both fall to the ground. Grim as fuck, and it's over. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, you could almost just make that as a short. I know, right? It's yeah. fairly Yeah, it's a fairly succinct sort of thing. I was trying to just, like go through the emotion of Lady Macbeth's side of the story. Yeah, I like that it's all her side of the story. It's uh, yeah. Well, I have her... I like that there was one. In the first one, she was the victim. In the second one, the villain. So this one, I kind of wanted her as, like, the anti-hero. Okay. Okay. Cool. Right. Uh, so yours is from the perspective of Lady Macbeth. Mm -hmm. My rom-com uh -huh. <laughs> is kind of from the perspective of Malcolm. Oh! <laughs> Saucy. I was like, Saucy? how the hell am I going to do a rom-com? <laughs> Seriously. That's a fair question.
own voice. Something like, here's the story of how I got my dream job, my dream girl, and got dad out of jail. Nice. Is it, uh, do we have a title? <laughs> oh, uh... Not yet, okay. Not yet, maybe... We'll think. Malin Flow or something like that. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, so... Joe McBeth works in an advertising agency and he wants to climb up the ranks. Mm-hmm. He meets a girl there and he really fancies her and to impress her, she, he lands this big campaign right at the beginning. Right. The boss, Duncan, promotes him and gives him a swanky Norfolk and she agrees to go out with him. Ooh. Seems to be going well. Uh-huh. Um, remember, this is told from the perspective of Malcolm, so, right. the, and, like, narration will yeah. be Malcolm. <laughs> While out with some work colleagues um, at, like, a pub, I'm thinking, like, you know, Farringdon kind of pub, mm, yeah. um, a tarot reader comes into the pub and Macbeth and his friend Banquo get their fortunes read into First Premonition. Macbeth is going to be the company director and Banquo's son, who also works there, um, sorry, said that wrong, Banquo's daughter, Flo, who also works there, <laughs> um, will eventually become director too. Mm. Um, okay. Lady is thrilled. I'm calling her Lady again. Lady is thrilled <laughs> at the idea and suggests that they honey trap the director to get him fired. Ah. So she honey traps him to get him <laughs> fired um, and like files like sexual harassment and he ends up oh my God. the clink. <gasps> um, Malcolm, who is the narrator here, uh-huh. um, and Flo, who is Banquo's daughter, decide to take a break from working at the company and um, I, I couldn't decide whether they were going to go and like leave the company or whether mm. they were going to take annual leave or something. I don't mm. know. Or stay in the company. You can tell me what you think. Yeah. Um, after this happens, and they become amateur sleuths trying to work yeah. out what is going on. Because <gasps> Flo believes Malcolm when he says that his father was set up. Mm. So... Macbeth becomes director and Lady is his right-hand woman, which Banco is kind of pissed about because that's his best friend. <laughs> sure. Um, he's starting to get in the way and Macbeth is bothered by the premonition decides to get rid of him too. Mm. Meanwhile, Mal and Flo are getting closer. They're enjoying their investigations and at the same time there's some sort of romance going on mm. between them. <laughs> so I reckon they're like a bit younger. They're right. like in their early 20s. Yeah. Okay, so... Macbeth sets up a trap for Banquo to get fired. Mm-hmm. Um, something like he's stealing clients and, like, you know, doing something on the side business. Yeah. Um, Banquo goes to another company abroad and Flo is left alone in the city. I'm mm. thinking New York. Uh, Malcolm <laughs> kind of consoles her, mm. getting even closer. Right. Um, Lady is starting to believe that Macbeth is having an affair and is going a bit mad watching his every oh. move. Mal and Flo uh, enjoy setting up traps for her, like leaving lipstick on shirts, etc., to make it seem <laughs> like he is having an affair. Yeah. Macbeth decides to um, seek out the tarot reader again to mm. get a tarot reading, and she delivers a second prophecy about Macbeth. Uh-huh. Um, so Lady is pissed off by now, and she transfers to the Japan office. Mm. Um... <laughs> <laughs> we're tough and that's when she becomes like the David Beth from Front of Blood <laughs> she becomes her um, at passport so then... control <laughs> oh my god where did you get that kimono you na- became native super quick what's the word it's not nationalised when you um naturalised um, right? naturalised yeah. yeah you naturalised super quick <laughs> Um, so Madaf finds out what Malcolm, Mal and Flo are doing and decides that he will help them. 
Ah. He brings down Macbeth during some sort of big like board meeting where he exposes ah. everything he goes on to. I'm thinking a PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> Dramatic PowerPoint. With like Finally. the honey trap and the trap for Banquo and like everything that he's done so far. <laughs> nice. And other shady stuff that he's been doing. Mm. Only to be caught. Um, so Macbeth flees. Only to be caught by the police who are waiting outside <sighs> the office. Um, Duncan is out of jail but decides he will retire and leave Malcolm in charge with Flo by his side and that's the end of it ah, I love it, really good, very mischievous I like the way you found sort of somewhat non-lethal ways around the uh... <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to kill anybody <laughs> yeah, fair enough, in a rom-com not quite going to work I was originally going to have deaths Yeah, but I was well, like I was trying to make it deaths? originally Heart- like heartbreakers? Well, I was originally going to have like Macbeth, um, the Macbeths be the rom com duo, like them yeah. getting together. But it doesn't really work because they're. I know the baddies, we, so we had discussed one that kind of combined your first and third idea, where like they would be high school sweethearts and Lady yeah. Macbeth would be dating Duncan and. Yes. But I don't know, the, the, the connotations of that, I guess, are a bit sinister. It's like the 80s idea of guys fighting over the girl, you know, and she has no yeah. agency. But. You could play with that too. Like you could have her be like, "Oh my god, why did you break me and Duncan up? You're a bad guy." <laughs> I love that guy. I love that guy. Come on, you know it's true love when he's willing to subtly uh, gaslight you. <laughs> oh my god. Well, those are our pictures. Um, pictures, and I think my favorite of yours. Oh, I am just a sci-fi kind of guy, but I really liked the uh, the YA one. That's the one that really, like, the elements <laughs> the came together one. in a really fun way. Yeah. It's kind of like a cheesy horror, like, um, I don't know if you've seen <laughs> The Babysitter on Netflix, kind of that kind of style. It has that aesthetic, yeah, like a like an autumnal kind of um, American aesthetic, and I like that. Yeah. Like The Craft, A Practical Magic. <laughs> oh my god, I watched The Craft the other day and I forgot how good it was. <laughs> it's very good. So good. Um... Cool. God, yours are also different. They are very different. Because I got this kind of Knives Out vibe from the Who Done It. I was listening to the Knives Out um, soundtrack whilst I was writing it. Oh my god, it's so good. And then like <laughs> the Western was this kind of. Even though I'm not a big fan of westerns, it did have like some elements that I was yeah. really intrigued by. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the experimental, I would 100% watch it. Um, <laughs> I think I'll go with the Who Done It cool <laughs> that was for the, the twist, one for the twists and turns yeah it's the one that i spent the most time on it's the one that came together the most <laughs> the most neatly with um you know as i was reading out um the experimental one i thought about wounds yes i haven't thought about wounds in ages i assume it's on netflix now i think it is yeah i really like wounds it wounds was, was um, good wounds was creepy if anyone doesn't know it's a film festival film from two years ago well last, last year. year yeah yeah and um yeah, it was awesome kind of weird, creepy horror with aesthetic yeah. and also alcoholism. So the was director good. was good. Who was it? That's <laughs> it. Barbak Anvari, the guy who did Under the Shadow. Yeah, mm. he's good. So, yeah. So check out our pictures, but also Wounds 2019. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a better adaptation of Macbeth than either of ours? Definitely not. Until then, I guess that's kind of it. You'll hear from us again yeah. when the Cohen brothers, or sorry, when Joel Cohen's um, adaptation of Macbeth gets released or when the BFI finally gets back to me about what some of the ones we missed but otherwise yeah you're just gonna have to listen to our new podcast our new podcast oh my god you were like oh no and then we bring it out <laughs> we're, turn yeah. it around. we're not gonna tell you what it is now but keep an eye on screen mayhem and I think you'll have a somewhat sinister surprise <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> that's like made me kind of surprised <laughs> exactly so but assuming that they just can't wait a goddamn week to see that new podcast how can people find out about katie um they can listen to my other podcast i Ooh. have a history podcast called have you ever heard of where we talk about people you may or may not have heard of we just hit 30 <laughs> episodes which we're really excited about yeah. um and we just did one on robert walpole so Ooh. you can listen to that um you can head over to twitter um and instagram at katie writes and my blog katiewritesvelt.com do it cowards what about you paul <laughs> i need to stop calling my audience cowards um <laughs> I am right here at Screen Mayhem, where I've reviewed a bunch of movies for the so um, London Film Middle. Festival, and I've actually managed to keep on top of it like never before. There's only three films I haven't gotten around to reviewing yet. Oh so my god. That's compared to last year's 12, so <laughs> I'm doing well. Um, yeah, and so you've got all of those reviews. I'm going to be appearing on Screen Mayhem uh, Extra in order to do talk about... Uh, film festivals during lockdown and also pretty soon halloween traditions and um of course there's also one good thing which is ogt pod you can type that into literally anything that you have access to and you will hear me and another guy named paul talking about bad movies and finding the bright side of them um yeah I think that's pretty much it always look on the bright side of films absolutely and i should have prepared the closing lines in one of my genres um, oh no you have to do it on the fly i know let me, um, which one can I do? <laughs> which one can I improvise? Just do it in, like, a Western American accent. Yeah, I can do that. Let me just get the quote. <laughs> Go on now. Mock the time with Ferris show. False face must hide what the false heart doth know. Bye. See you later. See you down the road. <laughs>